Hi, I'm Philip Santillan, pastor of Clarity Church, and I want to thank you for taking the time to listen or view this podcast of a message from one of our Sunday gatherings. Before we get going here, I just wanted to communicate to you the deep conviction we have regarding this message. This free message resource is not intended as a broadcast ministry, which would create virtual attenders listening from home rather than getting involved in their local church. We hope that no matter where you are on your faith journey, that this podcast is only supplemental to your relationship with the Lord and in no way replaces the local church that you should be plugged into or the pastor God has put over your life to lead you and care for your soul. So please enjoy this incomplete portion of this past week's gathering. We have prayed that God would use it in a profound way in your life and that from it, you would gain clarity on who Christ is. Well, good morning. It is great to be here. Uh, Phil has actually given me a higher degree than I actually have when he introduces me, so that is great. I can tell people that. So uh, (laughs) I have an MA uh, from Bethel, but uh, this morning, as he already mentioned, I'm a life coach, and uh, what I like to tell people, uh, groups that I speak to, is you are now all my coaching clients for a whole, I think I get 35 minutes here. So who is excited about that? Anyone? I love it. Okay, so uh, when I have a new group, coaching group, uh, what I like to do is do a little icebreaker because everyone needs to get to know each other. And so who's excited about that? Anyone? No one. Okay, good. Um, That is the response I usually get with my own coaching group. So, So what I usually do is I have these little table talkers on these little round cards, and I put them in a bowl, and I mix them up, and I make them all take one. And what they typically pull out are questions like, if your family ran a circus, what circus events would each of them be in? And um, they really like that one. I know what you, you guys are all like, I've lost you now because you're thinking, okay, my brother would be the clown, you know, so whatever. Uh, I would be the ringmaster, of course. So, uh, so you're, we're going to do that today. And so when I, one of the questions that comes out that is a little more serious, but not super serious is, if you could do anything and nothing would stop you, what would you do? And so as you think about that question for your own life, what would you do? What would you do if nothing could stop you? And today, we're finishing up a new you, new year, new you, new you, new year, never mind. Uh, (laughs) It's hard to get the words right. Um, And so when I think about that, how many of you feel like we're like three weeks into resolution, so you've already changed? Anyone? No one? All right, yeah, I haven't either. <laughs> I am still eating, sneaking my cheese and my gluten. If you haven't been here before, it's an issue. Um, and so when I think about that, I think, what are we waiting for sometimes, right? And I think sometimes we can wait because we don't feel ready. Sometimes we can wait because we don't know for sure that we're supposed to do that. Sometimes it's because it's risky, and we don't want to take a risk, right? We want to be safe and secure, and so if you haven't been with us, if you're visiting today and you're, you're new to Clarity or you just haven't been here, uh, the last two weeks we've been talking about Clarity, um, like actual Clarity, not the church Clarity, and then focus. And so last week, 
if you were here, that message messed with me. I don't know about you, but Phil had talked about this whole idea of God's plan and will for you being either a blueprint, which would be more like um, you can't move the load-bearing wall or your house will fall down. So you have to like, there's only one path. And so versus a game plan, which would be more like the quarterback can throw to toss it to the uh, running back or he can throw it to the wide receiver or the tight end. Is anyone impressed that I knew all those positions? Thank you. Go Bears. All right. Uh, if you're not following, they did not make the playoffs. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so with that, I felt like, how do I even proceed? How do we even like process all that? And today is really on stepping out in faith. It's how do we put all that together? How do we put the whole idea of clarity and then the game plan of there are options for us and our goal is to bear good fruit for God. And so how do we then process that to say, what does it look like for us to step out in faith? And as I thought about that, I I reflected on the past of my life and most of my life, I was a blueprint girl. And so I really thought that God had one path for me, and that meant one job, one career path, one man who I I often joked has gotten hit by a car because he has not come, and I'm 48. Uh, (laughs) But... what messes with me is now that I've, I've done some things in my life and I've had some life experience, I look back on that and I think, I think I'm transitioning to a game plan person, but there's still some areas in my life where I'm still living like a blueprint. And I think because of that, I tend to get paralyzed and, and taking action and stepping out in faith. And so I reflected back on my college years. So in my college years, my senior year, my roommate and I were getting ready to graduate. It was spring and we had no idea what we we're going to do. And so we, uh, the, uh, we were involved with a Christian organization on campus who offered this conference for juniors and seniors every spring, and it was called Senior Panic. Now, why they would want to call that Senior Panic, because that was not uh, soothing to me at all. But uh, we went to Senior Panic, uh, had a bunch of speakers on, like, discovering where you're supposed to do and where you're supposed to go, and we came back with nothing. And so then we reflected on the life of Moses, and if you don't know Moses' story, he He was born in in, uh, Egypt. He was an Israeli born in Egypt. He was raised by Pharaoh's daughter, killed a man, so he ran to the wilderness and spent 40 years kind of tending the flock of his father-in-law. And one day, he's like going out the business of working, and this bush sets on fire, and he goes over to peak, and God tells him what he's supposed to do next. So we thought it was perfectly reasonable that God would set a bush on fire and tell us. And I even joked that maybe we need to set the bush outside of our apartment building on fire because maybe God could meet us halfway. Like, maybe he's just waiting for the bush to be on fire. Uh, so that didn't happen. We both went home to our respective homes. And, um, and what I realized is that I wanted, I was waiting for God to be clear. I was waiting for God to be safe, his plan to be safe. I really didn't want to take a step of faith. I kind of wanted to sidestep into what was next for me, like no big deal, no big transition, no safety issues. I'm just going to have this job delivered to me on a silver platter in my apartment, and then I'll know what to do. And uh, that never happened. (laughs) And I wonder today how many of us are waiting. We feel the nudge, but we're waiting for something. Maybe we're waiting because we want it to be comfortable. We don't like to be uncomfortable. We don't like to take risks. And so we're waiting for that next step to be really similar to the step we're having, we're in right now. Maybe today you're waiting for it to be certain. You feel that nudge, but you just are not sure that that's what you're supposed to do. And so you wait for more certainty. 
maybe you're waiting for it to be safe. Just like me in college, I didn't want anything unsafe and unsavory to happen. (laughs) And so I was waiting. And maybe I think a lot of us wait because we don't feel good enough for the thing we're supposed to do, right? We don't feel like we have the skills yet. And so we're waiting to feel confident in those skills. And while there's nothing wrong with waiting, I think there is something to be said for our life. uh, And to change our life, we need to start doing something new and risky and scary. And so uh, as Phil presented the topics for this series to me, I jumped on this one, and uh, mostly because uh, talking about fear and courage is my jam. I don't know if I can say jam because I'm a Gen Xer, but I'm I'm going with it. Uh, (laughs) But it's my jam, and the reason it's my jam, I write about it, I blog about it, it's not because I'm good at it. It's because I need it just as much as everyone else, that I need to remember that there will be scary times, but I need to feel the fear and do it anyway. And so a new you starts with a life that requires faith. And so that's the basics of what we're going to talk about today, that our lives require faith. Now, I realize that some of us are here today and and we're new to faith. Maybe you're still investigating. You don't know exactly what you believe, and that's a safe place because your step of faith and a life that requires faith may be that you just start investigating more. But some of us have been coming to church for many, many years, and for me, I know that I can get by without living by faith, right? I can get up, and I can go to work, and I can go to the grocery store, and I can do that all in my own strength instead of the strength God provides. And yet, I think that we are all going to change our lives. A new you will start when we start depending on God for things that are a little bit above our head that are a little bit scary, that are a little bit bigger than we even know. And so today we're going to look at the life of Joshua. And we're also going to look at my own life. I know you're excited about that one, my autobiography. And then we're going to talk about what are the practical steps? Because we can just start saying that we need to do something big to step out in faith. But I think there's opportunities to be purposeful in your everyday life, no matter where you're at with your faith. How do we become people of purpose. And so um, I just want to give you this quote, Francis Chan. He says this, but God doesn't call us to be comfortable. He calls us to trust him so completely that we are unafraid to put ourselves in situations where we will be in trouble if he doesn't come through. I don't know if I'm there yet, right? But how can we be unafraid to put ourselves in situations that God needs to come through for us? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, because this was kind of a hard, hard uh, one for me to uh, develop, even though it's my jam, um, it, it came out as random thoughts about living, in pur- living out your purpose. <laughs> so hopefully you could bear with me on my random thoughts. So my first random thought is this. God wants us to start right where we are. And I don't know about you, but I'm a dreamer. And most of my life I've spent wanting to aspire to something bigger than where I'm at. And so the whole thought of starting where I am, it's like horrible. Like, I'm like, what? I'm not going to start where I am. I want to be over there. And so I don't know if anyone can relate to that today, but I can. And part of that comes from comparing with our friends and, our, and people that we, um, we really are, um, uh, I don't, I've lost my word, but uh, we, we find inspiring. And so I have this friend named Jen. And she had been a teacher in the Wyzetta School District for 20 years. She was a life science teacher. She was really good at it. And uh, through a series of events, she and I had been on a a number of short-term mission trips together. She actually decided that she was leaning toward wanting to to 
do mission in a developing country. And so she took, kind of started taking steps of faith and eventually landed herself in Haiti for a short-term two-year opportunity. And then after the end of two years, she came back and said, I'm going to go for longer. And so she is now in year four in Haiti, and she inspires me, right? Like she's done this crazy thing with her life, and she needs to require, depend on God every day right? Not only for her, um, she has to raise support, so for her income, but also for the things that are happening there and um, how she can uh, have an impact on the people of Haiti. And so when I look at her and then I look at my life, I, um, I work in my slippers in my house. So I don't have to leave most days. Uh, <laughs> I think, what am I doing? What am I doing with my life? Do I need to do something that significant? And um, I think we can ask ourselves the same things, right? Are we doing something significant, really? And sometimes God calls us to big things. But I think more often than not, he calls us to small things. Sometimes he calls us to things that are right in front of our face in our everyday lives. That he's asking us to start here and start small. Uh, years ago, I was a volunteer. Before I worked at the church I worked at last, I was a volunteer. And as a volunteer, I, I led women's Bible studies. And so when I was first asked, the Bible study in the evening was six people. And they asked, will you lead this? You know, I was going to seminary at the time. And I said, sure, I'll lead it. No, no big deal. And the next fall, when we did registrations, 30 women signed up. And I thought, oh, now we're, now we're talking. It's getting a little bigger. I was teaching the study, and then we recruited leaders to lead each small discussion group, and and that was great. Until the next session, there were 60 women. And so I'm a little futuristic. I'm, like, counting in my head, like, when will it be 1,000 women, which we would not have room for in the church, if you know the church at all. So I, uh, I was like, I'm counting my chickens before they're hatched. That summer, God, uh, I, the registration was six people again. And I was like, what happened to the 60 people? <laughs> I don't know what happened to these 60 people. And it was in that time, you know, at first I was really so discouraged. Like, did I do something wrong? Did I take a wrong turn? And then that summer, I just read this phrase that stuck with me all summer, that we tend the garden that God gives us. And then if your garden is 30 plots, you know, 30 people or 60 people or 100 people, you tend that garden. If it's six people or just one person, you tend that garden. And a lot of times our greatest ministry is with the people and the impact that we can have is with people who know us best. The people who have seen us at our best and our worst and we're sitting across the table with them one-on-one. It's not necessarily on um, hundreds of people at a time but just that one person who knows us and who can see the difference faith makes in our life. And so a new you starts with starting small. My second random thought, and we'll get to Joshua in a minute. I bet you're wondering, like, is Joshua in here at all? I forgot about Joshua. No, I haven't forgotten. Uh, Stepping out in faith is not about a job. It's about a message. And... um, I have to be honest with you. So when I uh, when I moved up here, I had every into, I had big dreams. So I was gonna uh, finish my seminary education and I was gonna start working at a church because my my calling in my mind, what God's plan for me was to help people with their faith, to help people grow in their faith. And my own story was that uh, I had to wait. I had to wait a while. And in the waiting, I was working a job, I was going to seminary at night, and then I graduated from seminary, and there was no job, because most churches wanted experience, and I really didn't have any (laughs) in the church world. So uh, I was waiting, 
and I had put my whole, my life on hold to wait for this. And in fact, I made everyone around me miserable because all I did was talk about how I was supposed to do this job one day, that the job was God's plan for me, that the job was how I could have an impact. And the reality, as I look back, is that I just wanted a job that combined my talents and my gifts with my everyday life, right? I wanted a job I could love because I had fallen into this import-export industry thing out of college, and I really didn't love it at all. (laughs) It, It drove me crazy. So when I thought about that, I just really aspired to this job. And as I look back on that time, I not only wanted that job because I wanted a job I love, because, but because I had assigned value and significance to having this job. And often I think we put our lives on hold and wait for a job. And the reality is, is God wants us to live a message. He has woven a theme throughout each of our lives, from our experiences and the people we know and our passions to have a message that you can do anywhere in any job. And so the reason I picked Joshua, I really wrestled over which, which Bible story to use. I, I had several options, but the reason I picked Joshua is I think his life story talks about his message. And so if you don't know anything about Joshua, Joshua um, lived at the time of Moses. He was actually ended up becoming Moses's kind of mentee. Uh, but before that, he was in the Israelite army. And he was selected, um, the Israelites left Egypt, and they walked through the wilderness to get to Canaan, which is supposed to be the promised land that God had promised their ancestors long before. And uh, Moses sent 12 spies into Canaan, this land, to to scope out the land and see what was what, because they were going to go in and take the land and defeat these Canaanites. So 12 spies went in. 10 came out and said, they are way too big. Let's, let's retreat. Let's not do this. This could be scary. I'd like to sidestep into there, you know, and, and that's not going to happen. Joshua and Caleb came out and said, they're big, but our God is bigger. Let's do it. But the 10 had uh, created a, a panic that ensued throughout Israel, which um, is easy to do. And, and so Israel ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And uh, we pick up our story here because Moses had actually just died and Joshua was taking over, and they were about to go into the promised land. And so God is commissioning Joshua, Joseph, Joshua, and he says, Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. And I think, um, oh, there's more. Is there more? No. Okay. Anyway, there might be more, but Joshua 1, if you want to read this afternoon. Okay, so what I love about this passage and what I observe about Joshua is that God was commissioning him, yes, but this was his life message. This was the thing he did no matter where he went when he was um, part of the Israelite army, when he was a spy, He was strong and courageous. And what that enabled him to do is, one, it not only prepared him to do what God wanted him to do down the road, but he lived his everyday life like that. So what does it mean for you and I to have a life message and set up a job that's God's plan? First of all, it's really your purpose. A life message is your purpose in terms of being and who you are becoming. It's an idea that your life embodies. And so... 
my own life message, uh, I didn't discover it until late in life. And so for many years, I was um, wanting to have the perfect job that would give me significance, make me feel good, and yet one that I would love and use my gifts and my talents. And, and so at my last job, I had worked as an adult ministry director for 10 years, and that was my ultimate job. Like, that was my dream job. I thought this was going to be the answer for me. And about five or six years in, it became work instead of, like, the dream job. So there was always things that, I, that weren't my, using my gifts and talents and things that were hard for me to do. And I just wanted the next step. And so for several years, I knew I was supposed to do something different but I was too afraid to step out. And so I was waiting for the next perfect job. And when I finally did step out and I quit my job, many of you know the story if you've been here before, but I quit my job and started my own business. I started training as a life coach. And during the training, I discovered this idea of a life message. And what I realized is my life message was really to inspire others to live in courageous faith. Not because I had it, as I've already mentioned, but because God was doing that work in me already. And I was wanting my life to embody that. And so as I thought about that, I was actually, at that time, I quit my job, and I was working at the world market part-time for $10 an hour. So um, it was not really a career move up for me, uh, (laughs) but I loved it, you know. But at the same time, I realized I could live that life message at the world market. And I could live that life message as a life coach. And I could live that life message as a writer, which is another thing that I do. And so... I could live that life message anywhere, in my neighborhood, at the grocery store, and we can too when we discover our life message. So what does your life message entail? And um, Tony Stolfoltz, he's a Christian life coach that I, uh, I use a lot of his tools in his, his books. He says this, the primary message of your life always comes through progressive revelation because it is progressively built into your heart over years of life experience. And so... If you're 22, you may not have the full picture of your life message, but we can start making baby steps toward living out out of our passion and the people we're drawn to and even the themes that God has already woven in our life. And so how do we find out? Here's some things to, to consider. First is your people. Who are the people you've already had an impact on? And then who are the people you're drawn to? right? It could be kids. It could be other adults. It could be seniors. It could be like my friend Jen. She was drawn to the developing world. And it could be your passions. So consider not only your people, your passions. So what are you passionate about? What tasks are you passionate about? What, What concepts are you passionate about? And then the impact. How do you want to bear good fruit in your life? What does good fruit look like? And how does that interweave? The thing about the life message is you have to start somewhere. I was 45 when I discovered mine. (laughs) And so it may take time, but you can start somewhere. You can take baby steps. So start with something you're passionate about. Maybe start with God's word. And I know for years, and even now, uh, the verse that really speaks to me is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what I love about that verse is the go, actually, what I've learned over the years is that it actually means as you are going, as you're going to the grocery store, as you're going to work, as you're going to make cookies for your neighbors, (laughs) Um, or you can make cookies for me and bring them over, but they have to be Uh, (laughs) gluten-free. You can make disciples. And so if you don't have one, maybe that's a great place to start. 
you're stepping out in faith is not about a job, but about a life message. So my last random thought, uh, it's not what we do for God, it's what we say to God. And Joshua's a great example of here. So we're going to skip ahead a little bit. So he's been commissioned by God, and they're ready to take, go into the promised land. But first they have to cross the Jordan River. Now the Jordan River is at this point uh, flood, at flood stage and like raging. So if you've ever like, you know, saw, seen a river that like if you put the rubber ducky in, you will not see the rubber ducky in like two seconds because it's all the way down the, the river. And so this is where they're at. And it's a little dangerous to cross the river. And so uh, God comes to Joshua and says, don't worry. I know it's a flood stage. Just trust me. Step. Lead the people to step. I'll show up. And so Joshua then starts to address the Israelites, and he says this. Come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Parasites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites ahead of you. I practiced that a really long time. Look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. The priests will carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of the water will be cut off upstream, and the river will stand up like a wall. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at the town of Adam, which is near Zarephan. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. And here's what I notice about Joshua and the Israelites and God, even. So often we have to step first, right? Joshua and the Israelites, they had to step first. God didn't wait for the... Um, dam up the river and create the dry bed before they step. They had to step first. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but at this point, I would have been asking for a bridge. Like, is there a bridge around here somewhere that I can go and cross over? I'll meet you there. And not only did they have to step into this raging river, but on the other side of this river were the Canaanites that they were going to have to battle to take the promised land. And Joshua and the Israelites were brave because they stepped first and trusted that God would be there, that he would show up. And I wonder how often we wait for God to show up first instead of stepping first. That so often God wants us to step first and trust him to show up. I think one of the things I notice about this is that Joshua just said yes. Every time he said yes to God, he said, I trust you to be bigger than what's that step that's ahead of me. And I do believe that God is looking for what we say, not what we do. He's looking for us to say yes to him every time. Full obedience is greater than full understanding. And if you're anything like me in, in the past of my life, um, a lot of people can look at what I, what I did two years ago of quitting my job without another one and starting a business as crazy or like really faithful, right? Like full of faith. And at the same time, I spent so many years waiting for full understanding before I said yes. I wanted to understand, because I'm a logic girl, I wanted to understand what God was doing. And sometimes we just need to step without understanding. 
Jenny Allen, she is a, um, she's not related to me, but she, uh, she's a gal in Austin, Texas, and she started this. She was writing Bible studies and speaking, but she, several years ago, she started this thing called the If Gathering, and it's for women, and the whole idea is she's wanting to encourage women to, to really have an impact in, the, in their everyday lives and really equip them to, to do things to have an impact. And so she does these yearly conferences and they do Bible studies, they do all kinds of things. But she, um, she really felt like this was a huge step for her and where she had a step first. So this is what she says. Embrace your fear. Quit looking for footprints to follow. At first, it is paralyzing to head into the wild. And she goes on to say, we need to differentiate between everyday anxiety because we're making the wrong step and those good butterflies where we're taking a step of faith and God has to show up for us, that it requires faith. And then she goes on and says, give up on maps. There is not a right way to pioneer into a new territory. It is a step-by-step journey completely dependent on God. And I think I love what she said. You know, even as a business owner, I'm always looking for footsteps of someone else, right? I'm like, I've never done this before. Uh, if you know me at all, you know that I, um, I failed out of the business college in college and had to switch to international studies. So this is my story. If I were like God and like looking for people to start businesses, I would not stop on me. I'd be like, no, that's not what you should do. I'm looking for footprints, and I think we do too, right? We want footprints ahead of us. We want to be sure that we're going to be safe and secure. We don't want to be uncomfortable, And I don't know about you, but giving up on maps is scary when I'm lost, right? And so how do we embrace our fear? One of the things Stephen Furtick said in his book, Greater, he said, he will do the showing if you do the going. If you step first, God will show, show up. He will show up. Our job is to go. His job is everything else. And as I close today, I'm pretty sure that all of us in this room have a proverbial Jordan River right? There is a Jordan River that God is asking us to step in. And it may look different for each of us, but he's asking us to step first. And so today as I close, I want you to consider what is your Jordan River today? For some of you, your Jordan River is that next step of faith, right? You're here and you're not sure what you believe. And maybe you are not sure how you want to investigate that. And so maybe today, your Jordan River is just taking a step. Maybe it's staying after to ask someone a question or to get to know us. Maybe it's going home and reading about Joshua today or somewhere else in the Bible and figuring out what the Bible actually says. For others of us, it's starting small. Truly, the bravest thing we can do is to stay right where we are and allow God to use what little we we offer him. And so are you waiting for something big or are you choosing to start small right where you are? In your office, in your neighborhood, in your family. Maybe some of us, our Jordan River is choosing to say, I'm going to let go of that dream of the ultimate job and look at my life message. That I will live that life message no matter where God puts me, no matter where I am in my job, my job and my career. And letting go of this idea that the job will be the satisfaction. And lastly, maybe your Jordan is an actual Jordan, right? God is asking you to change something. To step out in faith and change something. To step first. It could be where you live. It could be a relationship. It could be your job. It's not wrong to change your job or, or do something different. 
but God wants to be working in you as you step in faith. And so today, can we agree that stepping out in faith is one that takes risks? Can we agree that stepping out in faith is part of what it means to follow God, to, um, to change our lives? See, a new you starts with a life that requires faith. And I think today, can we choose one baby step together to get in a little bit over our head and know that God will show up? Let me pray for you.